I feel led to do something tonight. I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I don't know how anyone can pass up the kind of invitation that we've just heard. And I'd like you to come back up and sing that song again. And I'd like us to pray, and if you're here today and you've heard God speak to your heart and you want to commit your life to him, I'd like to just have you come forward and join the group that's singing the invitation in the front of this auditorium tonight. God is such a gracious and loving Father, and I was just deeply moved by those songs. So if the group would come back up and we'll sing, I am the bread of life, and I would just extend an invitation to anyone here that God is speaking to, to be able to join them up here in a, just a commitment. And it's just a way of saying, you know what, God, I really want to follow you and uh, want to honor you with my life. So let's pray as they sing. Thank you so much. Healing is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the invitation continues to ring out to all who would come. And that's just something about the Lord that I just deeply appreciate, that he's always extending his hands his voice of invitation to us to respond to him. As Ellie and I have walked among you this week, I've had this sense that we find ourselves in a fairly healthy congregation. We get around quite a bit, and I don't know if you know the blessings that you experience here, but we've been in different homes this week. 
I've watched the interaction after church with you talking and sharing with each other. And I can just tell you that it has encouraged our hearts. And I want to bless you and encourage you as a congregation to really continue to reach out to each other and to care for each other. And to uh, just lift, lift each other up in the uh, journey of faith that you find yourself on. And so that's been an encouragement to Ellie and I in a personal way. We get into congregations where there's a lot of need and a lot of hurt and a lot of, of uh, bondage. And so to be here has been an encouragement and blessing. Let's sing together. Just love singing, and I've enjoyed the acoustics here, although I will say it's much louder than what I'm used to, and I have a loud voice, so I don't know what it sounds like out there when I get started, but let's sing uh, Come Gracious Spirit. Come gracious Spirit, heavenly dove, with light and comfort from above, be thou our guard in thou our guide, or every thought and step reside, or every thought and step reside. The like you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and our text is found in verse 20. I'd like to actually read verses 20 to 25 and the title of the message is simply a question or a, a statement. When thy son asketh thee. When thy son asketh thee. That's the title of the message. So looking at this scripture, it says, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God commanded you? Then shalt thou say unto them, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand 
And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statues, to fear the Lord our God. Notice this phrase, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Question this evening is maybe somewhat simple, but very important. How well are we doing in the transmission of faith to the next generation? How prepared will our sons and daughters, our grandchildren, be to resist evil and to stand for the truth? And when they come with their questions of why, and they do come, sometimes lots of questions, do we have an answer? Can I give a reason can I lead them to solid biblical principles? You know, in reading the Old Testament, particularly the law, there's a recurring theme which reflects God's passionate heart for his people, for his loved ones. He says, don't learn the way of the heathen. Don't worship and follow their gods. Don't get entangled with their sin practices. And as you read, you get the distinct sense that God was really concerned about this. And the question we could ask tonight was, why was God so concerned about these things? Is God simply someone who tries to make life difficult for us? Is God someone who wants to de de spoil your fun in life? Is God someone who wants to take your personal freedom away? Or did God see something that maybe we often fail to see as we think about why God would give to us directions and instructions for life? Why the prohibitions? Why would you say to your son or daughter, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to wear that. And what I discover is a principle that is so much a part of the character of God leads me to some of my favorite verses in the Bible. All of God's prohibitions were motivated by God's goodness and by his deep love for mankind. It was a love that motivated God to protect his chosen people from those things that would eventually destroy their lives and destroy their testimony. Listen to these words where you hear the heart of God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Thou shalt therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day. And here's what I like. That it may go well. <laughs> I like that word. That it may go well with thee and with your children after thee. In chapter 5, 29. Oh, that there was such a heart. We're talking about a heart that's turned towards God. God said, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would follow and obey my commandments, that it might be well with them and their children forever. King Zedekiah a wicked king watched 
his sons be killed in front of him and had his eyes gouged out. One of the saddest stories in the Bible, King David. And David had a heart after God, we know that. But you know what? David saw and experienced the death of three of his sons. In fact, when David was fleeing Jerusalem and I forget the guy's name who was throwing stones at him and Joab said, David, let me go over and take off his head. You know what? David said, let him alone. And you know what I think David was thinking about? I think David was thinking about how that he had left sin get into his life and how it had affected his children. And when Absalom died, David was like, Oh, my son Absalom, would to God that I had died for thee. David saw the death of three sons. In Matthew 23, Jesus, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest those that were sent. By the way, if you have a prophet in your midst, thank God. Prophets are often the last warning before judgment. And I'll tell you something, you get rid of one, God will send another. I need the prophets. I'm a mercy. And I can fudge for relationship, but we need prophets who know the truth. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are... He says, how often, O Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered thee as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings... And then he says, ye would not. Resisted. This is the heart of God. God didn't put restrictions and prohibitions in place just simply to make life miserable for his people. God brought those so that it would be well with us and well with our children forever. And every parent here has in their heart this desire that things would be well with them and their children forever and their grandchildren. You know, we haven't changed a whole lot. In Psalms 81, God says this, Oh, that my people had listened to me. Oh, that Israel had walked in my ways. I would have fed them with the finest wheat and I would have satisfied them with honey out of the rock. The human dilemma, mankind has not changed too much, so we make new carts. We follow new gods. We demand new kings. Why? So that we can be like the other nations. Do you know something? God didn't want his people to be like the other nations. And yet... In our hearts, oftentimes, there's this little desire to be like everyone else. You know what? Them is not always right. Them is not always going down the right road. Them is following a different drumbeat than we follow as Christians. So several observations from our text that we read. Children will ask questions. <laughs> you parents, I love you parents out there. And I, let me just say, I, I especially think of these moms with all these little children. You know, uh, someone said to a mom, you just need to get alone with God. And this mom responded, get alone with God. I can't even get alone in the bathroom anymore. You know what, moms, you don't realize, I'll tell you, you don't realize the power of your lives on the next generation. And some of you are in the thick of things, and I bless you, and I encourage you, my, for godly mothers. <laughs> my wife has contributed to our family in so many ways. I love that 
uh, it says in Proverbs, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. <laughs> I shouldn't admit this, but sometimes when we're in a crisis or a situation, the children will say, Dad, get Mom to pray. Children will ask questions. It's not a question of if, but when thy son asketh thee. I had a dad come to me who never experienced a dad in his life. His dad was not a Christian. He said to me, he said, Dave, how do you talk to your sons about spiritual things? How do you talk to them about purity? He never had anyone to show him. When thy son asketh thee as dads, we have a tremendous responsibility, and let me say, a tremendous opportunity. Dad, what's wrong with this? Everybody else is doing it. Dad, why can't I go there? Dad, why don't you want me to wear this? I remember Katrina and I, she was my feisty oldest daughter, and different times we'd be out duking it out. We didn't really duke it out. You know what was funny about that? We would talk to each other while the rest of the family was all in, in the house. But you know what? We knew something. We both knew that our relationship was intact and that there was a deep connection that is so critical for father-daughter relationships. And when they ask, are you listening, dads? And when they ask, do you say, oh, it's just one of our rules? Or do you say, the church requires us to do this? Or do you say, we've always done it this way? Or this is the best one, go ask the preacher. What do you tell your children when they ask you questions? The second observation from this passage is not only the children will ask questions, but guess what? And this, when I discovered this, people, it just opened up a whole new world to me. You know what? God has given you dads a basic framework or structure to answer all of your children's questions. You see it right in this passage. Dads, are you listening? Talk to your children about sin. Talk to your children about bondage. Talk to your children about deliverance. Talk to your children about rest and protection, security and blessing. Talk to your children about the blessings of the promised land. I had a dad whose daughter was rebellious. He came to me. He didn't know what to do with her. And as I thought about it, I remembered that this dad had rebelled as a young man. I went to him and I said, you know what? You know what rebellion does. You know what it did for you. Why don't you sit down with your daughter and confess to her your own rebellion as a young man and let her know where it led you, what it brought into your life. You know, the framework here is amazing. God says, you tell your children. Something about this gives me goosebumps. You tell your children, we were in bondage. We were <laughs> bent in the wrong direction. By the way, you know something? The gospel is not just a ticket to be put into your pocket, to be turned in at the end of life. The gospel is good news that has to be lived out every day in a person's life. And the gospel is always good news. And it's so important that we give to our children the good news. All of us here know what it's like to be in bondage, to be 
under the bondage of sin. You can tell your children what it was like, and you can also let them know, but God, God came down and did a work in your daddy's life. God came down and did a work in your mommy's life, and God has provided a pathway to glory that is absolutely fantastic and glorious. To fail to give answers, this is the third observation, to fail to give answers to our children is to handicap them for life as they face the issues of life. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 78, another very powerful passage. There's a verse here that just troubles me. The children of Ephraim, armed with bows and arrows, turn back. You know what? I don't want my children turning back in the day of battle. The children of Ephraim, armed with bows and arrows, turn back in the day of battle. Hear God's concern. He says, give ear, verse 1 of chapter 78, to my law, incline your ears. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we, get this, which we have heard, which our fathers have told us, okay? We will not hide them from their children and will show to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength, his wonderful works. You know what your young people want to know? They want to know if Christianity is working for you. You know that? Young people are not dumb. Children are not dumb. And I really believe that in the heart of every person, there's a desire for wholeness and for life to work. And they're looking for examples of how it can and should work. And if they find those examples and experience those examples, guess what? It'll encourage them and strengthen them in their own journey of faith. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. He commanded our fathers, and I love this, that the generation to come might know them, even the children that should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Why? That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Then it says, and be not like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. You young people sitting here, and I just love the young people, let me just say, I don't want to see you turn back in the day of battle. None of us parents want to see our children turn back. One of the toughest things for a family is to experience the tremendous pain of a wayward son or daughter, one who is turned away from truth and the faith. That just rips the heart out of a parent, really does. So truth must be communicated to each generation. Why? Because a testimony has been established. A law has been appointed. For what reason? That they might set their hope in God. If we fail here, apostasy will be the result. Our children will turn back in the day of battle. They will become disobedient and stubborn. And they may well walk away from Christianity. So there's four things that I want us to see tonight as responsibility for us dads. We must teach our children God's truth. Our primary calling in life is not to teach a good work ethic. 
though that's important. Our calling in life is not to teach our son or daughter how to be good carpenters, how to be good nurses, or how to be good housewives. It's not to teach them how to run a business or how to shoot an elk or a mule deer, as fun as that is, and I would love to have what I've seen today. <laughs> I would love to have a few of those that I saw this week sitting in my room. <laughs> I do hunt, by the way. My boys kept us supplied with deer meat, and they're hunting. Actually, I actually have several boys hunting this week. And uh, boy, it's amazing. But that's not our primary calling. Do you know that as fathers? But rather, we are called to teach our children how to be committed disciples of Jesus Christ. How to become men and women of character and commitment. How to obey God in daily life and find his will. How to be holy and to live godly and to establish a godly legacy. And how do we do this? Well, it even gives us that. Guess what? You do it when you sit down. You do it when you rise up. You do it when you lie down. <laughs> you know what I think about there? We go to a youth social. Our mom, my mom and dad would be in bed. We come home from the youth social. Guess where we went? Pop and mom's bedroom. And we were like, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> No, after a while, you're like, oh, maybe we should go to bed. <laughs> so we, they could get, you know what? Those are tremendous times of communication and building of relationship and teaching. When you rise up, when you lie down, when you walk by the way, and wives, mothers, you can do a lot for your children by putting Verses up on the mirror, mottos on the wall. Ellie would often put things on our mirrors in the boys' bathroom. You know what? I look at those things. That's a wonderful reminder of what we're really about. In our bathroom, there's this one, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I look at that often. And then she'll switch things around and put things on mirrors that catch the attention. The Bible says you should do that. It says you can remind your children in lots of ways of what's really important in life. So, Special nights. Dads, I would encourage you, take your little girls out for a special night. Just them. Take your boys out for, and we go to Walmart, and they want to get a little car. <laughs> I could just remember, you know what? So much more is communicated in that time together than just a special night with your child. You have no idea of the impact and the memories that your children will have. Cards of encouragement. You know what? Family devotions. You know a memory in my mind that I can't shake is family worship where we would read the Bible together. And then my dad would say, let's kneel for prayer. A lot of times we would all pray, but not always. But you know what I remember? I remember my dad praying for each of us children, sometimes with tears, as he lifted us up to God. I want to tell you something. You don't forget that. You learn, you really learn where your parents are at and the priorities they have for your life. And that, that connects and speaks to you when things are down, when chips are down, when you are not sure which way to go. There's like a beacon of light. <laughs> that is, And, you know, the hand on the shoulder... And let me say this to you as a church. Your young people need that. I can feel the hand of my bishop on my shoulder when he would come up to me as a young man and he would say to me, Dave, how are things going in your life? 
You understand what I'm saying? There is a power in communication of truth that we so often, because we're busy or because we have other demands, we miss the opportunity to do that. My dad checked chickens. He had to go to a different farmers and he'd go into the, I could see this, I was just a little boy. He'd go into the chicken house with his chicken hook. He'd catch a few chickens. He would pull them up here and he'd blow on their feathers and he would kind of feel how heavy they were and then he would, he would put them back down and then he would whistle to see how much noise was in the flock. And then he wrote a report. And you know what he did? He would let us drive. You say, no. No, we steered sometimes. I learned to drive the car while we were going to different chicken houses. And you know what else? During some of those times, he talked to us about life and about things that were important. I think I was probably seven or eight years old. We went with him with a load of hay. And my dad struggled in his early marriage, and he talked to my brother and I about purity. And I, even though I was pretty young, I knew that he was talking about something that was very serious to him, something that was very close to his heart. Secondly, we must answer the hard questions. Dad, what's wrong with that? Dad, why can't I do this? Why can't I go there? Dad, where do you find this in the Bible? <laughs> you know what I see in my eye? I see my sister Shirley struggling with various expectations that we had in our home. But you know what I remember? I remember her sitting down with my dad and I remember my dad taking her to the scriptures, taking time to explain why we do what we do. You know something? By the way, the, the details or the applications can vary, but I'll tell you something. It's important that your children understand the biblical principle behind the application. And even though I didn't always understand what my dad was saying, I do know that I was able to pick up some of the biblical principles. And if you have the principles, you'll never be without an anchor. You'll never be without a pathway if you catch the principles. It's sad when a person doesn't know. Amish fellow was working for me, and someone on the job asked him and said, what do you guys believe? And he stuttered around a little bit, and pretty soon he looked at me. He said, Brother Dave, you tell them what we believe. Why do you wear that, why do you wear that cap on your head? Why do you, our young people need to know and have a biblical basis for what they do if we're going to expect them to be grounded and steadfast in the truth. So one night, my son came into my study, and he said, Dad, he had been with his friends, and they were going to go bowling. And right away, you're going to sit here and say, well, are you saying something's wrong with bowling? No, <laughs> I'm not saying anything's wrong with bowling. But our son asked me, he said, Dad, tell me again, why don't we go bowling? I should confess I have done it. <laughs> Not very much. <laughs> you know what? The son wanted reassurance because he knew by the atmosphere that was going to happen with his friends that it was not a place where he should go. And he was able to make the decision based on the principle. Not that necessarily bowling in itself is wrong. I taught a class. You know, we are, so, we are interesting people. A group of young people from another church, and they said, Brother Dave, 
And he said, we got to, we got to wear our buttons shut every Sunday morning for church. And they were also saying, it don't, uh, the ministers don't hear what we have to say. And I remember looking at them and I said, okay, guys, uh, how many hours are there in a day? How many days are there in a week? How many hours a week do you have to shut that button? <laughs> now I can't get this one open. So. This is one of those strange buttons that has elastic. Anyway, maybe I'm supposed to leave it shut. <laughs> so in practical ways, dads, how do we do this? I want to give you examples. Son, let me talk to you about sin. Let me tell you what it has done to me. Let me tell you where it will lead you. Let me tell you how it will destroy you. How it takes you down to Egypt and brings you into bondage. But there is good news. Let me talk to you about salvation. You can be forgiven. You can be delivered. You can be freed from Egypt. You can walk in victory. You can be an overcomer. Son, and this could be daughter too, daughter, let me talk to you about temptation. By the way, are there temptations that you're facing in your life right now that you don't know what to do with? You know, you should ask your children that. Are there things that you're struggling with and you don't know what to do with it? Are there addictions in your life that are overpowering you and you've not been able to rise above them. Son, daughter, how are you doing in areas of purity in your life? What are you looking at? What are you listening to? We went through the whole thing with the music thing with our children. And yes, I've destroyed a few CDs. But I think it's very important in that process that you're in communication with your children as a father to walk them through some of those issues that are very current in our world today. Son, let me talk to you about peer pressure. <laughs> what impact are your friends having on your life? Have you learned to stand alone? Can you stand for your convictions? Are your values being determined by your peers or by the truth of God's word? By the way, sometimes it's tough, young people, to stand alone. One day I came home from work and our son was up mowing lawn. He mows the churchyard. While he was mowing, cars began to drive into the church and the youth, some of them gathered together to go, I think to a concert. He had never been invited. He had never been told. They probably knew that he wouldn't go. But that night around the supper table, I had a daughter and a son both in tears with the challenge of standing alone. That's not easy. Trust me, that's not easy. Son, let me talk to you about rebellion. The rebellious dwell in a dry land. The cost of distance in relationship. The cost of having your own way. Son, let me tell you about purity. Let me share with you some of my struggles and some of my failures. And by the way, the Bible is clear that it's important for us to confess the sins of our parents. If you want to break generational bondage, there's an important aspect of recognizing what that bondage is and to be willing to confess that. 
1991, I, was, I preached a sermon on restoring the fallen, and I walked to the back of the church, and I was standing there during the benediction, and the Holy Spirit said, Dave, who are you trying to kid? And before I had time to argue, I found myself walking back in the congregation, came back up to the pulpit. Ellie and the children were sitting out there. And here's what I said. I said, you people need to know something. I'm not doing very well. <laughs> Still remember that. I'll never forget what the church did. They gathered around us and they prayed for a miracle. But you know what? A couple weeks later, my dad got up in front of the church. He's a pastor and he said, some of you are aware of the struggle that Dave is having in his journey of faith. He said, what you maybe don't know but need to know is that his struggles have their roots in my failure as a father. I want to tell you something. My respect for my dad just went sky high. To be willing to take responsibility. And yes, we must set boundaries for our children. <laughs> I told the boys, I said, now listen, you can ride your bike on the lane. But you must not ride your bike on the road. Why? It doesn't say that in the Bible. Give me a Bible verse for that. So we're playing ball at the church, and I'm in the left field, and I can see the road, and I can see our lane, and I saw my oldest son coming out the lane on his bike, and I could also see a car coming around the corner. And by all appearances... My son was never going to stop. Now, you talk about legalism. <laughs> you know what he did? He drove right to the road and just turned before he actually got on the road and the car went by. Isn't that it? <laughs> I was like, Listen, if you don't set boundaries for your children, who will? And God wants us to make applications to principles. If you don't make applications to principles, the principle has no value. And those applications do not need to necessarily be spelled out in the Scriptures, but they should have at least a connection to biblical principles that you want to protect your children from. So, son, I really don't want you doing this. Here's why. Daughter, I would prefer you not wear that. Here's why. Girls and, girl, girls and dads, that's a, you know what? I didn't know that daughters and dads had such, you know what? I meet so many girls that have daddy vacuums. Daddy, uh, daddy, <laughs> dads, you need, your daughters want, you, you know what, you need to let them know that you think they are beautiful. They need to know that you see them as special. I kind of learned this along the way. And there's such a opportunity to build security and worth in your daughters so that they don't go looking for it at the wrong places. I remember pastor telling me he and his wife were going away. Their daughter wanted to go with her friends. They were going to go out shopping one night. And the father was not really excited about it. He told his daughter, he said, you know, I really don't feel good about you going out with these girls tonight. He told me, he said, when he left the house, he didn't know what would happen. He didn't know if his daughter would listen or not. He said he got back, he and his wife got back, and he went to the bedroom. On his bed was a note from his daughter, and she said, Dad, thanks for having the strength of character to care about my welfare. She had not gone. 
just an illustration. We must build trust relationships with our children. Talk with them. Play with them. Listen to them. Pray with them. Stay in touch with them in their spiritual journeys. And one thing that's blessed me this week, I don't know you all, but what I have observed, I've seen pretty healthy relationships between parents and children. We've been in several homes, and you know what? That just, that just blesses me and encourages me. Young people, never throw your mom and dad away. You may need them someday. Be patient with them. They'll grow up. Give them time. It takes a while for them. <laughs> no, really. There's so much wholesome communication that can happen between parents and children if we will follow the blueprint that is given to us in Scripture. I just love that God just, when your son, don't you like that? When your son asks you, here's what you tell him. And it's such a precious gift. We were in bondage. And guess what? There's a better way. Now your children have the freedom of choice. I've learned that we have to give our adult children to God. You know what? They're not ours. They were God's before you had them. You know that? God just gave them to you to pour into their lives nurture and admonition. But you know what? You do need to give them back to God. And uh, sometimes parents hang on and they try to make decisions for their 40-year-old we had some older sons, and I'm giving my admonitions to them, and my daughter, she would sometimes say, Dad, they're adults. <laughs> they, can make, <laughs> they can make their decision. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You've listened really well. God bless you. Let's stand together for closing prayer. Father, we thank you for the institution of marriage and family. Every one of us are a son or a daughter. And Lord, I just pray for the families here at this church. Would you just reach down and bring courage, strength to the busy moms, to the dads who are making a living, to the children who are growing up, Lord, would you protect them from the evil that's in this world, and may it truly be well with them and their children forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.